We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Are right, you ready? Uh, cool. I'm ready. Pacer Nation, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me as he does every what every day. I don't even know what to say here, Fachi, because we keep changing up the days that we are podcasting. But joining me every week is the one and only Michael Jerome Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Wow, a new nickname. Hey, I'll take it. A new middle name, but I'll take it when these Pacers are just looking so good on the court. It doesn't matter what else is happening. 3-0 and in the bubble. What a fun time to be an Indiana Pacer fan, Alex. Absolutely. So we're going to break down the, the Wizards game and the, Magic, and the Magic game later in the podcast. But to start things off, I, I just feel like it's appropriate that we just pay respect to the man that has been the MVP of the bubble so far. And, and that's TJ Warren. So, Fachi, just just take me back through the last three games you've seen Warren go off the way he has. What are some things that have stuck out to you? Oh, my God. He is just the confidence. He has that that shooter's touch right now where he's putting up shots where it's like the hot hand, the heat check at times. Like, just get the man the ball. Because whether it was the deep three to ice it against Philly or just kind of that floater that he had, you know, in the game yesterday against the Magic, I mean, he's just putting up shots that are just going in at such a high clip that it's ridiculous. I mean, the stat line's coming out for T.J. Warren. I mean, 
leads all players in the bubble with a plus 59 rating. I mean, leads all players <laughs> in scoring a hair under 40 points per game. Alex, he's doing this on 65% shooting and nearly yeah. 61% from three. These numbers, they don't happen. He even had a stat that felt like it was made up the other day. He was the only player, I believe, ever to hit the stat line of, it was something ridiculous where he had 30-something points, like 11 rebounds, like like four blocks. Uh, oh, this is what it was. Three steals. Points, three steals, zero turnovers. Yeah. I, the guy has been flawless through three mm-hmm. games. He's put the team on his back, and... Uh, I I thought it was a bold prediction the other week when I said that he would lead us in scoring in the bubble, but it doesn't look bold anymore because (laughs) TJ Warren looks like the man right now. What a fun time. Well, you got that right, Foch, and it's it's funny because you're looking at a guy like Malcolm Brogdon and a guy like Victor Oladipo, and they're just like, yeah, give Warren the ball. Feed it to him, feed it to him, feed it to him. And... (laughs) You know, when the Pacers acquired Warren, we were kind of like, okay, let's see what he can do because he had been injury prone. His three-point shot, he had been working on that in Phoenix, but it was something that he still was, you know, not as comfortable shooting. He was more of a, you know, a, a, t- a tough shot maker where he gets in the lane, throws up floaters, and he's just got an old man kind of game. Like, that's kind of how he plays, and he's a he's a scorer. I mean, he's always been a scorer going back to when he was at North Carolina State. He, he's just a flat-out baller, and... <laughs> Coming into the bubble, you know, there's a couple things you mentioned it. The zero turnovers in one of those in one of those games, but he's only got one turnover in the three games. The efficiency last night against Orlando was unbelievable. Thirteen of seventeen, four or five from three. I mean, when you're when you're hitting threes at that range, nine of twelve of the first game against mm-hmm. Philadelphia. I know he didn't shoot as well from beyond the arc against Washington, but those two games, the the bookend and the front end, so. I'm just I'm blown away. I can't believe the numbers that he's putting up. It's ridiculous, and it's not just the threes that he's making. It's it's when I loved when Philadelphia was overplaying him, coming over that top screen to get the ball at the top of the key. He'd cut back door. You know he had a nice fade uh, fadeaway baseline jumper against the Wizards and got fouled. Hit the and one, uh, playing bully ball with some of those guys down in the post. A little quick post move back to the basket. I mean he's really just showing everything that he's got. But it's not just on the offensive end. Defensively, he's been pretty solid as well. So overall, I mean, everybody's excited about it. And, you know, the only hesitation I have is uh, <laughs> there's not been a lot of great defenders on him. I mean, I guess I guess you could say Ben Simmons is a great defender. So that was just a, a hot game. But the Wizards, not a great team. And Orlando, you know, they're a team that I just I don't understand that build of that team, Fachi. The roster construction of the Orlando Magic makes zero sense to me. But, you know, uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, I mean, is a pretty solid defender. That's my guy I know. It is your guy. Uh, Westside Wundu was on him a little bit, mm-hmm. and they even put a little James Ennis on him, and there there was no answer for him. So, honestly, right now it doesn't matter who's guarding him. He's just going off. But when it comes, you know, when it comes to when we play the Heat twice, I'll be interested to see how they defensively go up against him. Hey, that's going to be an unbelievable matchup. I mean, I just love how... Look, you can only play who they scheduled you to play. And that's what the Pacers exactly. are doing right now. They're beating down on these teams. But when you touched on Warren's defense, I mean, you're talking about a career high in blocks the other night. Four blocks. He's having the three steals. A season high in rebounds with 11 against, uh, against, against the Wizards. I mean, yeah. this is a guy who has taken his game 
to the next level. I mean, I love nothing more than seeing my Twitter feed just flooded with TJ Warren stuff. Just left and right. I got my, my friends that are so, so basketball fans and my friends that are huge basketball fans just texting me, TJ Warren, just left and right. Everybody wants to know more because, unfortunately, if you're not a Pacer fan, you're not watching TJ Warren play that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you went from, you know, the Pacers really aren't on national television that much to then you really weren't seeing him play in Phoenix. I mean, this guy has been working on his game, and this is someone who took advantage of the five months off. So it's been amazing to see. And up next, Alex, you know I love nothing more than a revenge game against Phoenix, so I think the party's going to continue. Yeah, and I hope it does. I mean, Phoenix is a, a decent team, but who's going to guard him? That's that's my biggest question. Um, McCall Bridges, maybe? I don't I don't know. Uh, it's Cam Johnson? I just I don't know what their answer is for him, and he's playing the four. So that's I really want to talk about that before we jump into a Suns preview. Mm-hmm. I want to save that as we close the show out because that's you know the most relevant topic is uh, you know previewing that game. So end with that for for uh, for the game tomorrow. But when it when it comes to to Warren, um, you know I just I want to make sure I say this right because I'm trying to remember which way I want to go. But it's it, it's like it's like he's just become somebody new with this small ball lineup. And I don't understand, you know, I I don't understand why, you know, it took him playing the four to unleash him like this. Maybe it's because the Pacers have had to play a little bit differently, but you know, I mean, no Sabonis and we know this. Sabonis is the, the offensive threat Mm -hmm. (laughs) of the two bigs. Usually, I mean, we're t- we've talked about it. We all we've said this all year long. Well, Sabonis is better on offense, and Miles is better on defense. I mean, that was oh, yeah. the that was the mo. I mean, we know Miles has skill offensively. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we saw yesterday in that Magic game, hitting the threes, step backs, whatever. You know, can put the ball on the floor. I mean, Miles is talented offensively, but how Sabonis can create for so many others is huge. McMillan runs the offense through him. Now it's like you got to take the guy you ran the entire offense through all year long and figure things out. And you know, fortunately, Warren has been hot, and I think that we might have found something here with TJ at the four. I really think that we did, and because right now, you know, I was curious, how is this small ball lineup going to work? Alex, it's working. I mean, right now, yeah. the, the, you know, this is Nate McMillan making changes. You know, before people were just tossing around the idea of him making changes, but these are actual changes that have happened, and they've paid off. In the three games... Mark Schindler, friend of the show, put out a great tweet. In the three games, the Pacers have a 118.2 offensive rating, 6th best compared to 17th during the regular season. They're still playing defense at 110 defensive rating. You could say, you know, Orlando and the Wizards, sure, not, not that great of teams over there. But we're also shooting more threes now. I think that this is a team that has been able to let it fly a little bit more. We're seeing Miles Turner mm-hmm. take a good amount of threes, and he's been hitting them. You know, TJ Warren's putting up more threes now. I just like that how the Pacers have been able to do. They've they've been able to force turnovers and lead to baskets. I mean, I just think that it, I love what I'm seeing right now. And hey, if it's working and it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, here's here's the thing because I know this is what's gonna happen for smart teams, especially come playoff time. Like these eight regular seeding games, like I'm not sure exactly how determined teams are gonna be about making major adjustments, right? So you know, 
Philadelphia, never once double-teamed T.J. Warren. Washington, they were not double-teaming T.J. Warren. Last night, the only time Orlando started to double-team was when they were trying to pressure at the end of the game to try to you know extend the game, make it a little bit longer. I think one of the things you're going to see, T.J. Warren, we've talked about it, the man does not pass the ball very much. He is a no, scorer, no, and his assist numbers have always been low. So I think what you're going to see is if he gets, if he continues to play hot one-on-one, you know, we talked about it uh, going up against a team like Miami. They, they've changed their starting lineup, so now they're going to have Jay Crowder on them, okay? Jay Crowder is probably the most overrated, you know, swing man in the entire NBA because he gets dealt, and every time he gets dealt, everyone's like, oh, they're a championship contender now because they got a, a guy like Jay Crowder on the roster. I mean, just being real, Jay Crowder is a fine player, but he's not uh, a guy that's going to make you a contender or not just no. because he's a piece with your team. So, I mean, if he starts taking him one-on-one, what do you think Miami's going to do? Well, A, they're probably going to put Jimmy Butler on him if he continues to do that, and Jimmy's going to make him work, or they're going to start sending double teams, get the ball out of his hand, make somebody else beat you. And I, and I think once we see that, it's going to be, oh, man, where is Sabonis? And that that's all I want to say on Sabonis right now. But I do think that once once Warren continues to get double teamed, they force the ball out of his hands, they're going to rely on you know um, Brogdon, Aaron Holiday, and Oladipo to, to pick up their game, and – I'm still I'm still ready. I'm not sure if, you know, both those guys are healthy enough, Oladipo and Brogdon. Sorry, I'm going pretty long here. I apologize. But I don't know if those two guys are healthy enough to, uh, you know, put up big scoring numbers like T.J. Warren's doing. Because if you take out T.J. Warren's huge performances against Philadelphia, we lose that game. Oh, I mean, even if you, if you cut it in half, yes. you know, if he doesn't go off the way he does, I mean, it was pretty ugly everywhere else. Uh, Washington, I mean, he had to score 34 points. To beat a crappy Washington team. That Washington game that was, was disgusting. It was it, gross it, at times. <laughs> it was gross. And then last night, you know, I mean, he didn't have to. I mean, he didn't really. It, that was a pretty effortless 32 points. So I'll give the Magic game. I'll, I'll say the offense looked a lot better. Turner looked a lot better. Whatever. But I'm just saying, you know, if he's not having these miraculous games, well, where is the offensive you know, support coming from? And that's my only concern right now is we're riding his hot hand. But do we have enough options without Sabonis and if Warren gets double team to put up an, uh, enough offensive uh, firepower? Yeah, I mean, hey, his teammates have trusted him, so it's it's time for Warren to trust his teammates, and we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, I mean, are those uh, are those any uh, concerns you have at all? No, I do have some concerns, but it wasn't as much. Look, hey, we're going to ride this out as much as we can with TJ Warren. Well, yeah, scoring nearly forty points per game. I mean, that it's it's. At some point, it has to end. What I would right. want to say is that we have not seen the best of Oladipo. We have not seen the best of Brogdon yet. So I think That's that fair. those two can get better. They can contribute more. We'll talk about a little bit more on some of the other guys who I do feel have played much better. But when you want to talk yeah. about the small ball potentially not working out, there are some issues that I have here. Pacers were out-rebounded in both those games. I mean, they were all three of them heavily yeah. out-rebounded against Philly out-rebounded against Washington, and then out-rebounded against um, Orlando by about nine rebounds. Um, So I worry about that. Also, Biggs have eaten the Pacers alive so far. I mean, Embiid, 41 points. You know, Mastroner was in foul trouble. Vucevic, 24 points. Thomas Bryant, basically a career game with 20 and 11. So there are some (laughs) downfalls to this. But yeah. for now, the Pacers are scoring much better. You know, the the offense looks like it's flowing pretty good. But, you know, we, we can't just hope 
TJ Warren is just going to put up 40 a night. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, that first game was unbelievable. It was great to come back the way we did. Um, you know, TJ Warren going off for 53 was beautiful. Unbelievable. And, you know, but Joel Embiid, 41 points, 21 rebounds. You're not going to win a lot of games if the big man's doing that. And Thomas Bryant, I mean, he he looked pretty good. I mean, Thomas Bryant's probably a little under the radar, but he's definitely a pro that can score. And, I, and I'm surprised at, at, at the pro he's actually become. I think I tweeted that. I'm just surprised at how good he's actually been as a pro. I mean, definitely uh, surpassed my expectations. And then Vucevic. I mean, sometimes I just think it's part of it. I mean, we saw Vucevic. We'll talk about this a little bit more with the Magic game. But I think uh, with the recap of that game. But, I mean, if you think about it, Turner was able to counter what Vucevic did by hitting those threes, by making Vucevic come out of the paint. And Vucevic was giving him the shot because Vucevic can't guard Turner one-on-one because Turner will blow right by him. So, you know, but it, it comes down to possessions when it comes to the playoffs, and that's where the rebounding battle is going to hurt. I think one thing we can talk about real quick is just the turnovers overall, Foch. Oh, yeah, um, it's been nice. Keep it, Keeping the turnovers down, it, it allows you to get out-rebounded. That kind of counters that a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, that's possessions you're, you're getting back. If you're not giving the ball up, you don't have to worry as much about, you know, 15, 20 turnovers a game. That's an extra. We had seven against the Magic. You you throw in an average of 15 to 20, that's another, you know, 10 at least turnovers, which is 10 more possessions for Orlando, not including the rebounding battle. So that's what I'm trying to say there. You can kind of make that up a little bit. But mm-hmm. overall, uh, just to wrap this whole TJ Warren thing up before we get into that recap of the Wizards game, I just have to say this is amazing. There was times last night where I was just wanting Malcolm Brogdon to pass him the ball. I'm like, dude, I don't want to see you drive. No offense, Malcolm. I'm glad you're back on the mm-hmm. court. But he only took... 17 shots, 13 of 17 from the field of T.J. Warren. He had 19 in the first quarter. It finished with 32, and he was just a willing passer. I wanted I wanted to see him go for 40. I mean, as a fan, I'm sitting here like, dude, I don't want to see Malcolm Brogdon score, you know? But, I, I, hey, I hear you. Yeah, Alex, you know, I mean, I was, Brogdon just been driving me crazy. I don't I just No, he say. has. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't want to cut you off. I'm sorry, but at one point – I was torn. You're talking about the biggest Jermaine O'Neal lover in the world. And you got TJ Warren tied with Jermaine O'Neal's record for most points in a three-game stretch with 119. And I was wondering, is he going to beat it? Now, in reality, who even knows if he was aware? Because it's a three-game stretch. It's not like it's like a historic record. But it just showed that, guys... This is like a special stretch that we're seeing. Just such a fun time of, of seeing. I know I've said three times now, but seeing TJ Warren do something, I don't think that we're going to forget this for a while. I feel like this is going to be known as a stretch, like whatever you want to call it, Bubble Warren or, you know, Orlando TJ. I don't know whatever you want to call it. Bubblicious. Yeah, something. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> he's got to have a name for this because this stretch right now is just so great to watch that everybody is tuning in. TJ Warren is on people's radar right now. And typically, you know, not many times are the Pacers on casual NBA fans' radars. I love to see it. Yeah, and my my last point here, Foch, as we wrap this up, I know I've said that like probably five times already. (laughs) But my last point, the the thing is, if the Pacers can can acquire TJ Warren for cash considerations and also got a second-round pick, which they turned into three Miami Heat picks, which they can move. I'm telling you, Foch, 
if they can go out and, and acquire T.J. Warren, if he's able to keep up this level of play where he's a 22 to 25-point scorer a game, you're talking about a top 30 player in the NBA. And if the Pacers went out and traded, just gave a million dollars for one of one of the top 30 players in the NBA, if he can keep this up and continue to grow, because we have seen T.J. Warren, he's been good all year, but he's on a different level right now. Oh yeah, And it's not just on one end of the floor. Offensively, he's been ridiculous but defensively he's been really good too now i want to see him do that against a guy like jimmy butler a guy like lebron james i Mm want to see him play with the best of the best show what he's got ben simmons is a great defender we know that tobias harris is a solid nba player and, and he put them on skates when when he was playing against philadelphia i mean that was just a lights out game a small sample size. Now I want to see it more and more. I want to see him in a playoff series be that guy the Pacers were hoping Tyreek Evans was going to be last year for <laughs> Victor Oladipo. Well, I'm saying what they wanted. I know, to be. I know, but just the name Tyreek Evans now, it just <laughs> grosses me out. But when you're it, also talking about this, to sprinkle it in there, this man is making $11 million a year in the NBA when some guys are going to be making 30 to $40 million. Yeah. Unbelievable job by the front office acquiring TJ Warren for cash. Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if he can come in and become a continue to grow defensively, continue to grow offensively, the Pacers might have found themselves uh, a secret weapon that they didn't realize was going to become this good. And this might allow them to make a decision on whether to keep Turner or Sabonis heading into the offseason, seeing how well Warren has played at the four, going small. And we're going to talk in just a few seconds about that Wizards game. But I just got to say, David West with a tweet of the day on Saturday in that Philly Philly game, he called him Filthy T. And that is and will always be the nickname I refer to as TJ Warren, Filthy T. What do you you think about that? Uh, It's it's taking some getting used to, but, uh, you know, it's starting to grow on me a little bit. First, you know, anything <laughs> filthy, you know, usually you're like, ugh. But you know what? Filthy in basketball, it just means something else. <laughs> and filthy tea, I can live with it. All right. Okay, everybody. We'll be right back to recap the Washington Wizards-Indiana Pacers game. And then after that, we're going to recap the Orlando Magic Pacers game. So stay tight. All righty, Pacer Nation. We are back, and we are here to talk a little Washington Wizards-Indiana Pacers action that happened on Monday afternoon, Fachi, are you enjoying these early game starts? I am because I'm working from home. So for me, it's it's like a treat because I could just have the TV on right behind me. I can be at my computer screen. I got entertainment going on. For for those of you that you know are at work and are missing the games, that that's got to be tough. But for me, when a game comes on at like 2 p.m., it, it's it's fun. Yeah. So I get off at 4:30, so I was able to catch most of this game. Uh, didn't see the horrific first quarter, didn't really get to see much of the first half, but I got to watch most of the second half. And, you know, I just, I got to get your thoughts on this game. You know, we're going to go back and forth giving out uh, our our three points. So we both have three points to discuss in this game. And Fachi, I want to hear your first point. So basically, you know, when it came to this Wizards game, as as we talked about, not really a great game. This is a lowly Wizards team missing pretty much their top players. Bradley Beal, of course. Obviously, no John Wall. But you're talking about, this is in this game, what I love, the bounce-back performance of Miles Turner. Miles was in foul trouble all against Philly. Barely even got to see him, it felt like. You're talking about 17 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks. But what I love most is the confidence. 
that man is letting it fly. Uh, and, and I, I just, it, it just feels like a different Miles. I don't know. There's just like something about him that it just feels like the confidence is high and that the Pacers are utilizing him more. It goes without saying with no Sabonis, but this is probably the Miles that we would be getting more often if he was just the center there instead of playing with two centers. Uh, he's been very yeah. efficient in that game. He was 7 of 13, 2 of 3 from three-point land. You almost want him to shoot more threes, but at the same point, I love the Turner that we're seeing right now. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I I was watching that game, and, you know, truth is, I didn't I didn't think that Turner played, like, great in that game. It was it was an okay game. Mm-hmm. I thought he would do a little bit better defensively against Thomas Bryant. So I was kind of disappointed to see, to see Thomas Bryant for 9 of 12 uh, for 21 points, I believe it was you said earlier. So that's the only concern I have a little bit is just, like, defensively. Like, we know he can block shots, but, you know, I'm not expecting him to go in the paint and body it up with Vucevic and body it up with Embiid. Like, those guys are really skilled in the, in the low post. And that's one thing Turner has always dealt with is just guys that are super good in the post that are a little bit stronger than him. But Thomas Bryan is not bigger than Miles Turner, in my opinion. I mean, they're about the same size as far as body weight goes. And it's just I want to see Turner become more of a lockdown defender. I mean, if this guy is going to guard Giannis in a playoff series or in a regular season game and that's your best option, he's got to do a little bit better on a guy like Thomas Bryan. Even though the Wizards are trash, and I'm sure they were sleepwalking for most of that game, you after you played the way you did in Philly, I mean, you didn't play horrible. I mean, it's been worse before. He came in and made uh, made contributions in that fourth quarter against Philly, but you know you got to come out here and be like, hey, I got in foul trouble. I want to prove that I'm one of these best defenders in the league. It's got to be more than blocking shots, and I wish he would have been a little bit more crisp on the defensive end against Thomas Bryant. That that's one part that you know I mentioned that earlier. It worried me because Embiid had Miles Turner pick up two fouls immediately. And he was was using foul trouble all game. Embiid got whatever he wanted. We saw Thomas Bryant play probably one of his better, I would say it's probably a top three game for him on the season, I would imagine. You know, it's just, I want to see more from Turner. Uh, That part worried me, but the confidence is something that, that I feel like is evident. I mean, we're seeing him really just, I mean, some of those balls, they're not even hitting rim when he's letting it fly from from three-point land. So, that was uh, one point that I loved. Uh, what was uh, one thing that came to mind for you in that Wizards game? Yeah, my, my only negative, I'll start it just to get out of the way, mostly negative. It's The Wizards are just horrible, and the Pacers didn't play great as a whole. I mean, it's it's what you expect. You, you beat a big team like Philadelphia, someone that everybody keeps saying, oh, when they beat the Pacers on the you know opening night, they're going to pass them and they'll play – Miami and the four or five seed, and you know the Pacers will fall to six. You know people are just discrediting us. Everything I listen to, it's about oh Philly's got a real chance to be a sleeper team, and the Pacers come out and you know shock them, and probably shock most of the uh, casual NBA fans that were expecting a Philadelphia W there. And then to see them just come back and and not put their foot on the throat of Washington, I thought this was going to be an excellent opportunity for a guy like T.J. Leaf to get some more minutes. Um, Edmund Sumner, Alizé Johnson, those kind of guys, because if we're going to have to rely on them, you know, for the for the regular season and, and some of the playoffs, I mean, a guy like T.J. Leaf, I wanted to see him get some minutes, but he wasn't even in the rotation, didn't even get a chance to play. And then your starters had to play a bunch of minutes on a back-to-back. So, you know, just just got to take care of business. They took care – they won the game. It wasn't pretty, but they won the game. I just 
when they're playing bad teams, it's something we've always talked about. Put them away early and don't play around. That's the only that's the only gripe I had right there. Okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. And you know, if TJ Leaf isn't going to be playing in a game like that, I just don't know when you can play him because well, I mean, he goes up against Embiid. But yeah. you can't put him out there against, you know, Ruby Hachimura. Come on. I know, I know. So that uh, would have been nice to see him get a little bit of run. <laughs> but, you know, I don't blame Nate for not having the confidence. Uh, another thing that, that I, you know, kind of came to mind in that game, the starters were plus 59 in yeah. that game. And the bench was just not good. Uh, it's not that they were horrible or anything like that, but the starters just so beyond outplayed the bench that it worried me a little bit that, you know, that that's a game. Sure, there was no Oladipo, you know, obviously there's no Sabonis, obviously there's no Lamb, but the bench really didn't bring much. You know, we're, we're seeing guys kind of, you know, McDermott really, I'm waiting for him to wake up a little bit. Um, I think yeah. Jakar has been solid. You know, he, he, he had a plus seven in that game. Um, but, you know, that was a game where just the bench looked very slim, you know, in terms of production, um, where I think that, Against the Wizards, kind of a game that you got to bring it a little bit more. Uh, the whole bench combined for 21 mm. points, six assists, and eight rebounds. I mean, that's like pretty much what Brogdon did alone, um, you know, the other night. So it's it's just I don't know. Would have loved to have seen a little bit more production in that Wizards game from the bench. Yeah, so I was going to talk about the bench specifically, McDermott and Justin Holiday in the in the Magic game, but I'll go ahead and just switch that. And uh, talk about it now and move my Aaron Holiday comments to the Magic game. So um, as far as McDermott and Justin Holiday go, you can definitely tell McDermott out of everybody is missing Domas uh, so much right now because Domas created so much offensively for him and they had such a great uh, chemistry together. They've been playing together the last three years. So you could really just tell when those two were on the court together, great things happened. And we, we always lumped in Justin Holiday and T.J. McConnell with that group because it was just so fascinating to watch them all play together. But I think we've noticed now that T.J. McConnell, it doesn't matter who he's on the court with, he's going to McConnell. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's just going to go out there and do what he does no matter what unit he plays with. But for a shooter like McDermott, he is relying upon getting those open looks, coming off screens, coming off dribble handoffs, and they've really done a great job of working on the back cuts I know Sabonis will hit him if his defender is overplaying him. He can slip that screen, come back door, get a nice dunk. Then McDermott's even had some opportunities where he's been able to take his guy off the dribble and then hit Sabonis rolling to the basket. So those two guys have a great repertoire. Justin Holiday, same thing. You know, He would get a lot of open looks off of their creation between McConnell and Sabonis and McDermott. And now it's basically like, hey, just be a stand-and-shoot kind of guy when there's not as much movement coming off screens type thing. So... You know, I just think that these guys really miss that. Now, their you know their hurting has allowed for guys like Warren and and, and guys like Turner to excel. So, you know, it's you got to take what you can get, right? So, while some might suffer, these guys are playing better. The starters have been fantastic, like you mentioned. The bench has taken a bit of a hit, but I think you can expect that when most of the second units were run with Sabonis and primarily through Sabonis. That is that is very fair. Did you have uh, another? Uh... Another thing that maybe stuck out a little bit? Yeah, so I kind of just tied in my bubble or my uh, point there with you. So I'll just kind of use it as my point number two. And to give my last and final point before you give your last and uh, final point, I I was just going to say this is Brogdon's return game. And I thought that while he had some nice numbers, there were still some things that I really would like to see change up a little bit for him. And 
<laughs> one thing I'm, I'm kind of liking the small ball lineup specifically with Aaron Holiday out there because he's able to guard quicker guards and we've and Malcolm Brogdon just struggles so badly with guards that are quick and small. Uh, Ish Smith multiple times drove right by him. Now he's able to use his size on the other end of the court to kind of get it to the basket, maybe back him down a little bit. Like we have seen Andre Miller do several times in the NBA and Mark Jackson was good at that. But you know, I just, he, he looked good, but there was still some rustiness and I, I still thought he looked a little rusty yesterday in the Orlando game. Not as bad, but it's just one of those things he's going to have to adjust to as he's been out for a while with, you know, struggling with COVID-19 and the multiple injuries he's had throughout the year. Yeah, I believe it's eight injuries. I don't know if COVID's included in that injury. Maybe it's eight I and a half. I don't think it is. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Brogdon, he did look rusty. We're talking about the two games that he's played. He's shooting 33% from the field. I mean, a 4 of 12 performance against Orlando, a 6 of 18 performance against the Wizards. Uh, you know, it hasn't been efficient, but there has been some bright spots. Before we get to the bright spots, I just want to say some of the not-so-bright spots where has his three-point shooting gone, Alex? This was a guy who was over a 40% three-point shooter, you know, last year with Milwaukee, and a really good three-point shooter in the past. I mean, he's 2 of 12 from three in the bubble. Um, yeah. Very interesting. But one thing that did work really well is that man's protected the rock. Um, or at yeah. least, he, you know, he did more in the Orlando game, which we'll get to. But... You know, he's facilitating. I mean, we're, we're not seeing a, a big drop-off between him and McConnell, like, in terms of facilitating. It's There's been great ball movement and, and protecting the ball. So that's been big. And also, one thing that's, you know, been pretty pretty nice to see, got to the free-throw line both games. Six free-throws. I know it doesn't sound like much, but the Pacers mm-hmm. really are not getting to the line. And Brogdon has been someone who has gotten to the line. So... That's been nice to see. I, I think uh, the the shooting touch, I hope that comes. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's just a different role. I mean, he played off ball so much with Giannis being the primary ball handler for Milwaukee. That's why that's why Brogdon got so many open looks. And, you know, Brogdon is kind of – it's kind of funny, but he's, he's kind of awkward when he goes to the basket because he's not one of those guys that you expect to get above the rim. But every great once in a while he'll try to dunk on you. But then a lot of times they'll try to play underneath the rim and, and use the rim kind of as a uh, a shield against his uh, defender. We saw that amazing uh, reverse layup against the Lakers earlier in the season oh, yeah. where he used that rim to help shield off the defender. I believe it was Dwight LeBron. Howard. I can't remember. Was Dwight it Dwight Howard? Howard? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's been so long I can't remember. But that's one of the things that I have noticed with him is just his ability to put the ball on the floor. And while it might not be the most beautiful and, and crisp thing, it's one of the things that he's – uh, done a great job with so I'm, I'm continuing to see that but offensively catch and shoot he's got to be more efficient from outside he's he's hit some nice shots Foch, but there's been moments there where I think he's really you know missed his mark so uh my uh, any other final points for you no my, my last point was just kind of covered where it was just I was bothered by that Thomas Bryan performance nine of 12 I just feel like I'm wondering, are these bigs going to be eating us alive moving forward? That's yeah. that's my, my gripe right there. Awesome. Well, at the end of the day, it wasn't the most beautiful game by the Pacers, but they won the game like we mentioned. So we'll take one more quick break. We'll come back with our Orlando recap, and we'll do a quick Phoenix Suns uh, preview. All right, we'll be right back, guys. All righty, guys, we are back for our third and final segment. We're going to talk about that Orlando Magic game. Now, we will – 
primarily be focusing on things outside of TJ Warren. So uh, we talked about that for the first 20 minutes. So hope you guys enjoyed our, our coverage there. But Fachi, we got three points here each to talk about with this Orlando game. And I'll just go first, get it out of the way. Uh, it's something that Pacers Twitter is all familiar with, and that's called the third quarters. Yeah, not third, but third quarters. Pacers come out hot in the first and the second and the second quarter play great. Then they come out flat in that third quarter and allow Orlando to creep kind of back into it. And that's just something when you're playing playoff teams like a Miami, like a Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, any of those upper echelon teams in Milwaukee, you're going to have to make sure that you play and come out strong to start quarters off with, because if you come out there and are lackadaisical, you're going to get beat and it's not going to be pretty. No, it is. I mean, the Pacers got out to a blistering start in that game. I mean, you're talking about it was, I want to say, 43 points in the first quarter, which was a season high, and then 71 in the first half, another season high. Great first half, just as you mentioned, absolutely flat. 21 points in the third, you know, it's half as much as the first quarter. Uh, just feel, felt like you really couldn't really just put the magic away. I remember the lead was as high as like 26, and it... It was shrinking down to like 10. Uh, you know, it's a game that the Pacers never trailed in, but let's be honest, at times we started saying, I think we've seen this before, and I don't want to be on the end of another choke job. So it was a game that you got to play four quarters, and the Pacers, they, they didn't do that. They played a poor second half, and luckily it didn't come back to bite us. No, it didn't, and Orlando, thankfully, is not very good. They lost yeah. Jonathan Isaac. You know, Vucevic played good last night. Aaron Gordon played pretty good. The guards, the guard play for Orlando was just atrocious yesterday. I mean, all of them looked really bad. I mean, Terrence Ross looked decent off the bench. But, um, I mean, if you're talking, you know, you're starting guards with Fournier and DJ Augustine, former Pacer, it was it was not pretty. So the Pacers were lucky enough to be playing a really bad team and didn't allow them to get back into it. But uh, the, the good news here is I'm going to bring up a point that I talked about in the last segment. That's Aaron Holiday. So I uh, kind of gave a little bit of a teaser there. Aaron Holiday – this might be a little this might be a stretch but i'm gonna go out and say it on this podcast i think Aaron holiday has been the second best pacer during this bubble is that is that a hot take i don't know that that's that's tough to say because some could label it a hot take but you're not totally wrong at all because aaron holiday I mean, has been rock <laughs> solid in these three games i mean this looks like a guy who i don't know what it is confidence or whatever it is He's been working. He's improved defensively. He's he's given you consistently three games and double figures. He's shooting 50% from the field. He's been aggressive. I mean, he's protecting the ball. I don't know if it is a hot take. I think it's just, I think it might just surprise some people. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think Miles is probably arguably up there for number two as well. I, I just think that that first game yeah. uh, against Philadelphia, I, I mean, Aaron's been consistent. I mean, it's especially really nice. in... In that Washington game, that first half, uh, Aaron Aaron carried the load for the Pacers there. You know, it wasn't a ton of points that he put up, but he's just been so good, and he's actually fitted really well with the small ball lineup. Him not having to be the primary ball handler, playing a little bit off ball with Brogdon and with Oladipo, I know they keep calling him the three, but he's not really the three because he's guarding point guards. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's positionless basketball. He's just a wing player. And he's got a decent shot. I, I would like it to be a little more consistent, but you can tell he's really starting to mature. This would be, you know, him. This would be the offseason for him heading into his third season. 
and a really big opportunity for him to try to prove himself. And, um, you know, he's got a payday coming up with the uh, rookie with the rookie extension. Are they going to pick up his option? They're obviously going to do that. But if he continues to play like this, once a bonus comes back, you know, you got to think, do they do they go back to that big lineup? I mean, I even heard there was rumors about putting Aaron back on the bench and letting Jakar start. And uh, I just, I you know, I get why, why they want to do that because they want to keep that bench unit together that's been so good, those core four. But, man, Foch, I just, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like what I've been seeing from Aaron Holiday has impressed me so much. And he's on a cheap contract. If you got to make a move, I think you can risk making that move because Aaron Holiday is good enough to to fill in that role. Alex, this is the Aaron Holiday that I hoped to see. This was the one where I was really saying, you know, that's the guy who I want to see what he's been working on. And he struggled a little bit in the in the, the you know the the scrimmage games. I always almost yeah. I always almost call it the preseason. The preseason. Games. It, it, this is exactly Just what it feels. I know I'm that. trying it not to, but it just feels so natural to me. But he struggled a bit in there. Um, and it was even one of my talking points on Pacers TV. But Aaron Holiday has shaken that off, and he has looked just real good. I mean, that 15-10 and 10 performance against the Sixers with only one turnover in there, yeah. I mean, it's the little things that he's doing well, and it just feels like he's not afraid. It's like we talked about before how short of a leash he had in the past. It feels like he doesn't have that short leash anymore. He has the confidence of the team of Nate McMillan, and he's able to play his game. And it's been evident. Well, I think I really believe this. I believe having Justin there, his brother with him, all season long to encourage him and guide him the right way has been huge for his growth. Because I'm sure there's been times where he's probably been down on himself with McMillan putting him in the doghouse. He's the 11th man to start the season out, not even really getting any look in the rotation. Edmund Sumner's playing over him, and and while we love while we love Sumner, we we know Sumner's a fun guy to root for. He's not in the same ballpark as far as potential when it comes to Aaron Holiday, and that's a lot due to his lack of uh, shooting ability and his injuries that he's had. I just I just when you look at the Holiday brothers, they're all so good and they're all so fundamentally sound. You know, I'm not expecting Aaron to be an All Star type player. I just expect him to be at best, you know, the a six man kind of similar to Lou Williams. Uh, maybe not as effective offensively, but you know can can make up for that with what he brings to this, the defensive side of the ball. So I'm just saying, someone I think that could be a really strong six man on a playoff team, and we we've seen that he can play with the starters. There's no doubt about it. I, I think that's his best fit when he's not trying to be the guy that has to have the whole entire offense run through him. But I do think you know. He, if he continues to play well, man, I'm I'm just so excited for his future. I, I really, really believe that we have something special here. Best pick Kevin Pritchard has made be, between the three picks he's had in the NBA draft. Without a doubt. That holiday pick, I believe, is going to pay off. He's going to keep getting better. We're seeing that right now in the five-month absence that I'm very excited to see what happens when next season resumes. But one of my talking points for the Magic game that I'm interested in. I don't want to be too hard on him, but it has to be spoken about. Alex, do you think Victor Oladipo will regain his form offensively? Because I know he was not heavily involved in this game, and TJ Warren had the hot hand. 
But we've now seen two performances, a 15-point performance, a 13-point performance. He's not forcing the shots, but I'm mm-hmm. getting worried that this might just kind of be the Oladipo that we're going to get. The guy who's maybe around 15 to 18 points compared to, you know, maybe like a 20 to 25-point guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure yet, Foch. I think it's too small of a sample size to, mm-hmm. to make a declaration of what he's going to be. I mean... He's easing himself into it. He did play the scrimmage games, you know, and uh, he set out the back-to-back, set out the front half against Washington. So, you know, there are still some concerns there. You want to make sure that you don't, you know, uh, affect it. But I, I did notice that he's been a little bit more aggressive at attacking the rim. He got to the foul line one time. I know that I remember that play. You know, he had a layup and got fouled. And he's had some nice passes. I think one of them might have been in the scrimmage games to oh, Brogdon. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah where Brogdon hit that yeah. three. Uh-huh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a scrimmage game, whatever. But, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, nice. we're slowly starting to see him attack the rim more. His his shot looks pretty good. He's not forcing, which is a great thing. I feel like he was really trying to force a lot before uh, the season was suspended. I felt Big like time. he was trying to feel himself out. Maybe he's realizing, hey, I can move a little bit differently with the small ball lineup. But with T.J. Warren being as hot as he is, you know, He's he's been a great teammate and he's been deferring to TJ Warren, riding the hot hand, not trying to force and uh, you know take over the game. So I, I mean I, I'm okay with it. Ease his way back into it. Let's see how these teams go about defending the Pacers when it comes to playoffs. Because if we're playing Miami and they've made that lineup change, Duncan Robinson's out there. We've talked about it. You know if they Tack. put Duncan Robinson. <laughs> You know, on Oladipo, you got to attack. But I would assume they'll put Jimmy on him. Probably probably figure out a way to hide Duncan on Aaron Holiday. But you, you got to be able to use him in screens as well, pick and rolls, where he can get that mismatch. Because I just think Oladipo is too talented and too special of a player to continue to just defer constantly and uh, not be that, that score that we've seen him be. Like, you know, eight shots for him, that, that that's not really going to work. I mean, I, a win's a win. You know, uh, that's that's just how it goes. But it's nice to see him not force it too much. Like some of those games in the beginning when he, when he returned, he put up 17 shots, 18 shots, and weren't good percentages, and the team started to lose a couple games. That was tough. So I think with Oladipo, the defense is starting to come back. We're starting to see the steals come a little bit more. Um, and, you know, defense leads to offense. And then there was a time, some people might forget it, but about two years ago, I, do you remember when Oladipo had that streak? It was like, 30 straight games with like a steal and there i mean there oh was, yeah oh I yeah mean, he was he was the steals champion the steals leader whatever you want to call it for the nba just two years ago an all defensive first team selection i'm starting to see it come back a little bit i i'm, I'm excited to see you know the 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 progress come along i'm just wondering if maybe he trusts his teammates now a lot more and knows hey i i'm probably not the same as two years ago it's going to take some time but we can play some good team ball, and I'm all for that. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think I did two points in a row and didn't give you a chance to give uh, <laughs> yours first, so I apologize. So go ahead and give me your next one. One that, that I was I kind of hinted on a little bit is I'm actually getting a little bit worried about the lack of free throw attempts. This is yep. something that's plagued the Pacers all year, where it felt like for a large, you know, large portion of time, Sabonis was the only one really getting free throw attempts. Well, you don't have Sabonis out there. And if, you know, Moss Turner's going to be shooting, you know, half of his shots from threes or whatever it's going to be, 
it's going to be tough to get fouled. Um, yeah. Right now, I mean, we're talking about 19 free throws against the Magic, 16 against the Wizards. Come playoff time, that's not going to cut it. I mean, you scored no. 120 points, and only 15 of them came from the free throw line. That's almost pretty impressive because you're going <laughs> to need, you know, you're going to need more free throw attempts than that. The bench, yeah. zero free throws in the Magic game. So, yeah, I, <laughs> man, it's just tough. Yeah, I mean, Victor was probably their best free throw, you know, uh, free throw getter, I guess would be the correct terminology there, um, before he got injured. And Sabonis, I mean, <laughs> for crying out loud, he, he gets fouled so much where he doesn't even get called for, I mean, they don't call the foul on the opponent because Sabonis just kind of bullies through him. So even Sabonis kind of is uh, doesn't get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to getting foul calls. But I will say this, I mean, with this style of play, I mean, one thing I said before we stopped, and it was when we played the Raptors, one thing I really noticed and loved about Kyle Lowry's game was his ability to get into the defender when he goes to the basket. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned it with Brogdon earlier in the episode, and I said a lot of times he likes to use the rim as protection. I would like to see Brogdon get his body once again into the defenders and get to the free throw line. He was a 93% free throw shooter last year. The guy can hit from the free throw line, and he needs to do a better job of getting there, especially, like you said, he's not been shooting the ball well from three. But, of course, he's been injury prone, so maybe there's a reason he doesn't want to get all that contact always going to the rim. So I don't know. Uh, Warren's a guy that I think really could get to the free throw line a little bit more, but he also you know, takes what the defense gives him. So instead of going in and trying to draw the foul, he'll just pull up and throw up a random you know, 13-foot floater and, and cash it. So... You know, it's just about being effective. I mean, if you're being efficient with your scoring, yeah, I want to get to the free throw line more, but if you can hit a high percentage of your twos and your threes, you know, if you're hitting more threes and more twos than the opponent, I'm not worried too much about free throws. Exactly. I mean, in the end, you know, when you shoot 55% from the field, yeah, you might get <laughs> it. You might get out rebounded a little bit as well because more of those shots are just going in. Uh, right, you know, right. And free throws, I would like to see that uptick. But uh, what was uh, your last point for this Magic game? Yeah, so my last point, not too much here. I just wanted to say uh, taking care of the basketball has been such a great thing for the Pacers. And I mentioned it earlier. We were talking about Warren. We said only one turnover for Warren in those three games. You know, seven turnovers against the Magic. That's it. That's And the Magic are a top ten defense. Uh, thank you, Tony East, for reminding me of that today. Even though I think the Magic are really not a very good basketball team. They have good players, but I don't like their fit at all. Um, defensively, I just, you know, I was surprised <laughs> compared uh, to some other teams. But they do have some good defenders. It's just the Pacers were just abusing them. No matter what Orlando threw at them, they were driving right by and getting them to the rim. And they were passing the ball pretty well. I mean, Turner looked good in the pick and pop. We saw him knock down some huge shots in that Orlando game. And it's just like no matter what Orlando did, they had no answer to the Pacers and how they were attacking offensively. And if you can take care of the basketball, Fachi, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. So that's that's pretty much all I have to say there on that part of it. No, you really are because that my last point on there was basically the play of TJ McConnell, someone who is very much yeah. protecting the ball. I mean, in that Orlando game, five assists, zero turnovers. Brogdon, eight assists, zero turnovers. And then Aaron Holiday, I mean, you can't fault the man for having one turnover. You know, you're talking about the Pacers, you know, three, you know, what you would say point guards on the team 
going 17 assists, one turnover. That's that's winning basketball right there. And the 29 assists, I mean, anytime you're right around 30 assists, there's a high chance you're winning that game. So just amazing yeah. ball protection, ball movement. That was my last point on that Orlando Magic game. Just such a key component to winning games. Yeah, T.J. McConnell, like we said earlier, no Sabonis, no problem for T.J. McConnell. He just does what he does. And, and Jakar Sampson has been such an energizer off the bench as well. So great to see those guys stepping up in the absence of Sabonis. Pick up that slack with the bench. But now it's time for Mc... – you got a point? One more point. I got to bring it up because Quinn was even touching on it. T.J. McConnell was taking Markel Fultz to school. In this game, I mean, he just kept blowing by him. They go back to their days in Philly, and I just feel like McConnell's the kind of guy who knew Fultz's tendencies, knew his game, and took advantage of it. And, you know, Fultz could not hang with McConnell. It it was fun to see. I, you know, it gave me a good smirk just, just seeing him, you know, have fits with McConnell. I loved it. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel bad for a guy like Fultz, you know. Injury career, uh, injury has ruined his career partially. He comes back, has decent games with the Magic. Just really weird fits. I mean, I don't think him and Michael Carter-Williams and Terrence Ross off the bench is a great fit. Um, I just, Orlando, they are a joke of a roster. I just I just don't get the way that team was constructed. I mean, good players, but just the fit altogether. They have some moves to make to really improve that team. And, uh, as far as the Pacers go, you know, they're they're going into a pretty tough battle against Phoenix Bocce. This is a game that, you know, a team that you might think, why are they even at the bubble? Well, they're undefeated. They're 3-0, and and they beat the Clippers. Game winner over our friend Paul George. It's, uh, it's uh, Devin Booker has been unbelievable. And, uh, you know, a former, not former Pacer, uh, Ricky Rubio's on that team. And uh, thank God he's not a Pacer, yes. right? So. Ugh. I couldn't do you know, that. So, you know, you you said it earlier with T.J. Warren, a great chance for him to get some revenge. But I just think overall, this is where I kind of want to see just my quick point on this game. I want to see Oladipo defensively change the way Devin Booker plays. Because would, if he's I able to do to that, that, I mean, he, he hasn't really had a guy that he's had to go out there and really shut down. I mean, in the two games he had, uh, Evan Fournier and Josh Richardson, this is probably – this is no doubt. This is not probably. This is no doubt the best guard that he's going to go up against. See what they do. Make other guys beat you. Uh, but I just want to see Oladipo defensively show that he still has it somewhat. Because like you said earlier, he's leading the league and stills there for a while. I want to see what he can do. I, I would love to see. This is such a key matchup just across the board because Devin Booker has been on fire. I mean, he lit the Clippers up for 35, 30 against Dallas. 27 against the Wizards, that doesn't say much because, you know, they got the JV team out there. But anyway, you know, you're talking about Booker just, I mean, the game winner in Kawhi and Paul George's face. I mean, that man has confidence. And if Oladipo can really, you know, lock the clamps down on him, it, it would it would say a lot. Because, you know, it sounds crazy to say undefeated or winning streak and the Suns in the same sentence. But they're undefeated yeah. in the bubble. They're 3-0, and so are the Pacers. <laughs> I think that this is the game that we kind of overlooked in the beginning. But Phoenix is playing really well. Another guy that people really aren't talking about, DeAndre Ayton. All of a sudden, he's hitting threes, Alex. That man yeah. had, I believe, no threes coming into this. In the bubble right now, he's 3-for-5. Uh, 3-for-6 three three from three. 
I mean, yeah. that, that wouldn't sound impressive, you know, most of the time. But for a guy who literally was not shooting threes at all this year, it says a lot. He had zero made threes. I just looked it up this year. In the bubble, he already has three. So Aiton's added to his game, a guy who no one ever talks about. You almost, you know, forget that he went number one overall just a couple of years ago. But Phoenix, they got a couple of weapons. Even Cameron Johnson played a really good game a couple nights ago against Dallas. So I don't want to overlook them. I think that this would be that game where if we could get Oladipo on track, if we could get Brogdon on track a little bit, it would be great. But at the same point, you know TJ Warren has had this circled on his calendar. The coldish dish that he's removing from that freezer right now in his hotel and just load it up with revenge because he's going to stick it to the Suns management in this game. I bet he would love to have just a wad of $100 bills try and guard him because cash considerations can't save Phoenix now. He is going to put on a show, and I'm all here for it. Man, Fachi, your hype train is on fire right now, ladies Ooh. and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> tone it back, Fachi. No, I'm just kidding. Do you, you do you, my man. You know, but you brought up a good point about eight and nine of 18 against uh, the Clippers, 50% from the field, 19.7 rebounds. I mean, a solid outing from him. Uh, you know, Devin Booker was unreal, though. Six and nine for three for 35 points and eight assists. And I think Devin Booker's at his best when he's dishing the basketball out. I mean, we saw it some last year where they called it Point Booker. I know that he is, you know, better when he has a guy setting him up, but I also like when the ball's in his hand a little bit. And it's it's been it's been cool to see him kind of rise as a player. I just think that the the people they put around him has just made it not very good. But I mean, he he put up thirty points uh, against Dallas as well, fifty percent from shooting there. Devin Booker did, and you know, Aiden did not play very well against Dallas. So, you know, I, I know that. Uh, I know that going up against Kristaps was probably a bit of a challenge for him. So it'll be interesting to see how he does against Miles because I think Miles has some of the same skill sets as a Kristaps Porzingis. Can he get out there and defend him? How do the Pacers attack him in the pick and roll? That'll be an interesting matchup as well. But, I mean, I don't I don't think there's anybody on that team that can really put the clamps down on T.J. Warren. They, they, uh, so no they're going to be in for a long night. You know, I mean – Cam Johnson and McCall Bridges are about the only two guys that can really throw at him. I, I don't think that's going to happen. And then their bench, I know your buddy there from West Virginia, Javon Carter, Love him. Uh, is, a, is, is a defensive point guard. But mm-hmm. Sarge, Kaminsky, Campaign are the only guys playing off their bench. The Pacers bench has got to win this game if Devin Booker goes off. Cameron Payne's dance moves can't save him now, okay? That man's got some good handshakes and some good dance moves. But you throw him on the court, and it ain't going to help him one bit. I just think that this Phoenix team, they're riding a high momentum right now, and it's about to come crashing down because these Pacers are hot right now, and they ain't stopping. No, they're not. They're just they're getting to the sun, baby. They're playing the suns. <laughs> yeah, hey, I like it. They're, they're, they're keeping it hot, and they got the heat coming up after that. Why not, Fachi? Just keep the hot references coming, my man. So, uh, final thoughts on uh, – uh, we've already given a ton of thoughts. What do you think the Pacers' final score is in this Suns game? I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm, I'm thinking 122 to 116 Pacers. Okay, I like it. A close game. Pacers by six, according to Fachi. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Pacers 118, Phoenix 111. Okay. 118, 111, and like uh, we'll see how that game. prediction comes. Yeah, 
we'll uh, we'll see how that goes out. But anyway, guys, you can make sure uh, you check out Fachi on Pacers TV, recapping that game with Derek Schultz on Twitter. That'll be on my Twitter or the Setting the Pace 3 account Friday morning, Thursday night, whenever you are able to see it. I'll post that after the game. And we will be back next week, Fachi. Uh, going forward, we're going to be doing three shows again. Uh, try to keep them a little bit shorter so they're not as lengthy. I know this one was probably a little bit lengthy. Um, but, of course, you'll hear the Sunday-Monday show, Sunday night, Monday morning with me and Ken Sterling. Our show, me and Fachi's regular show, will be on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. And then we're going to be having Kevin Bowen uh, from 107 to the Fan join us going forward on Thursdays to talk Pacers hoops. So uh, a lot of good things going on here at Setting the Pace. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3, over at Instagram at Pacers Talk. My man, Michael Jerome Fachi, is at underscore F-A-C-C-I, and I'm... I'm at Alex Golden NBA. We will talk to y'all later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.